There is a lot of uncertainty in the world today. There are numerous wars going on, with at least two of them making it into the news regularly, and we're not sure which one we should be most concerned about. Presidential primaries are on the horizon, and no one knows who will be on the ballot in November, or if anyone elected will really be able to make our country more secure militarily or economically. Gas prices are going down, and they tell us the economy is doing better, but many are still struggling to find a way to make ends meet. Weather patterns seem to be changing, and some are convinced we are the cause and can do something about it. Others believe the changes are nothing new, and we simply need to adapt. Viruses, identified and unidentified, keep making people sick, and many wonder if vaccines are hurting more than helping. We're almost afraid to send our kids to school. We don't know if they'll be educated or indoctrinated. We don't even know if the pictures we're looking at are real or AI-generated. It certainly seems that uncertainty is the best we can hope for in an uncertain world. And while that may be true, there is something we can be certain about in another world. We can be certain about our relationship with God. Now, that's not to say most of us don't experience uncertainty in this area, only that it need not be there. Because John gives us needed assurances for the heart. He does so by telling us that when our heart condemns us, there's something we can do that will assure us and something we need to remember. We shall know by this that we are of the truth and shall assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Does your heart ever condemn you? Of course it does. Every time we sin, it condemns us. Our, our conscience convicts us, and we feel guilty. But that's not what John is talking about here. He's already told us how to deal with a condemnation that comes from sin. In the first chapter of his letter, he said, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus died to make forgiveness possible, to take away the condemnation we deserve. All we need do is agree with him about the sin in our life, do what he's told us to do, and trust that he has dealt with it. You know, we are rightfully grieved about our sin, and our behavior often disappoints us, but we're not condemned 
by our momentary failures. If Christ is our Savior and we're trusting him to save us, we can simply lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. It's been forgiven. However, there are still times when we feel condemned, when our heart accuses us and we begin to question our salvation. That's what John is talking about here. He's addressing those nagging doubts about our relationship with God that give us a sense of condemnation. Those times when we begin to wonder if we really do believe in God as much as we think we do. Or when we're convinced that others in the church think we don't. When they must assume we're not as close to Christ as we claim. And it may be true that we're not in church as often as we should be or do as much as others in the church do. We begin to feel that we don't fit in and think no one even notices if we're there or not. No one seems to care. And we begin to think that God doesn't care either. He doesn't answer our prayers like we hoped he would or like he does for others in the church. We feel condemned because we're convinced we're not living up to expectations, ours or anyone else's. We were going to do so much for the Lord, but our intentions never materialized. We were going to start going to Bible study, and we did, but then we got too busy or lost interest. We were going to start tithing, but couldn't find a way to fit it into our budget. We were going to be in church every Sunday, but we haven't been there since Easter. Maybe our faith isn't what we thought it was. Maybe we're not even a real Christian. You know, our, our lack of involvement and follow-through condemns us as do our failures in general. We were going to quit smoking, stop drinking so much or overusing drugs, but our willpower disappeared. If the Spirit was in us, surely we would have self-control because it's a fruit of the Spirit. We made a vow to stop swearing, but the words just slipped out of our mouth. Something must be wrong with our heart, because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And our thought life, we just don't seem to be able to control the thoughts that pop into our head. Surely something is wrong with us. A Christian wouldn't think those things. Maybe we're living a lie. Maybe we're kidding ourselves. We start questioning our motives about everything, and the thoughts and doubts seem to come from nowhere. But they don't. They come from an enemy. The devil wants us to question our sincerity and wants to destroy our confidence before God. He is the accuser the one who plants the doubts in our mind. 
He's the one who makes our heart condemn us, even when we know in our head that it shouldn't. We know we accepted Christ. We believe he is the Son of God. We believe in Christmas. We know Jesus came to earth to save us from our sins. We confessed our faith in him. We washed away the stain of sin in the waters of baptism. We welcomed him into our heart. We did what he told us to do, and we're still trying to do what he wants us to do. But doubts haunt us, and the feeling of condemnation lingers. How do we get rid of it? John gives us the answer. And it's much simpler than we might think. He doesn't exhort us to just do everything we know we should be doing. He doesn't tell us we just need to go to church more often, work harder, do more, give more, be better. Not that we shouldn't. But even if we did, our heart would still condemn us. Even if we did everything we thought we should would still wonder if we're doing enough. No, John doesn't give us a list of things to do to assure ourselves that we're right with God. He simply reminds us of the one thing, one thing we need to do to give our heart the assurance it needs. We shall know by this that we are of the truth and shall assure our heart before him. John says we can know we are of the truth and our hearts can be assured before him by this. But what is the by this? It's what went before in verse 18. Little children... Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. When we love others in deed and truth, our heart will assure us before him. When God's love, the honest and abiding love that came into our hearts when Christ came in can be seen Our heart will assure us. When the first fruit of the Spirit is evident in our life, our heart will assure us. When we begin to doubt our relationship to Christ, all we need to do is let him demonstrate his presence by loving through us. When someone hurts you by ignoring you or saying something unkind about you or by calling your motives into question, don't let that person's condemnation creep into your heart and condemn you. Instead, let it challenge you to love someone who is at that moment not very loving. If you can love him in spite of what he's saying or doing, There's no need to let his doubts become your doubts. 
if you failed to do what you said you were going to do for Christ or for someone else. Don't worry about what you didn't do. Just do something loving today. Convince yourself that Christ is still present in your life by letting him empower you to do something loving in the present and forget the past. If things haven't been going very well and you haven't been able to see evidence of answered prayer in your life, pray for something you can see immediately. Pray for the strength to do something loving to someone who doesn't deserve it. And then just do it. If we can love in deed and truth, under any circumstance and in any situation, we know Christ is in our heart. And remember, John doesn't say we have to feel warm and tender and loving. He just says we have to love in deed and truth. We have to do something that shows the kind of love Christ has shown to us. It really doesn't matter how we feel. And to act in a loving manner without feeling love is not hypocrisy. It's obedience. It's doing what Christ told us to do. It's allowing him to motivate us rather than waiting for our emotions to motivate us. It's letting him demonstrate his love through us. And that's what assures us that he is indeed in our heart. John then tells us something that really clinches our assurance. He reminds us that we have a God who knows. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. God knows us better than we know ourselves, and he still loves us. He knows us inside and out. Nothing is hidden from him. The psalmist made that very clear in Psalm 139. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou dost understand my thought from afar. Thou dost scrutinize my path and my lying down and art intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, thou dost know it all. God knows us inside and out. He even knows our thoughts before we do. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our heart better than we do. And if we honestly love him, and desire fellowship with him, there's no need to fear God's knowledge of us. We don't have to worry about what he thinks of us. We don't have to worry about that secret sin that makes us uncomfortable in church. We don't have to worry about that shocking thought that popped into our head. 
We don't have to worry about the way we felt when someone hurt us. God knows all that. And the fact that he knows us and still loves us is the source of our greatest assurance. He knows what we wanted to do, even when we failed. We don't have to impress God with our successes, and he's not going to write us off because of our failures. And since this is Christmas Eve, we must add one more obvious assurance for our heart. God loved us enough to leave the glories of heaven to walk among us on earth. He became one of us to identify with us and was tested at all points as we are to assure us that he understands the struggles we face. Christ came to assure us that God loves us and wants to be in a loving relationship with us forever. For as John told us in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus not only came into the world, he came to die for us. He went to the cross to demonstrate his love in a way that would assure us of his love in spite of our sins. In fact, in Romans 5.8, Paul told us that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Who can doubt such love? How can we ever question God's love for us? He loved us when we were unlovable. He loved us when we were in open rebellion against him. He sent his son when he knew what would do to him. How can our heart not find assurances when that love flows into us and then out of us? That's the this John said would assure our hearts before him. When we, like him, love, indeed, and truth. Psalm 139 ends with these words. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting God will do that for you if you'll let him. Christmas guarantees it. Search me, O oh God, this day.